I was blessed to get an early Father's Day gift. Um, grandchild number three came this week. And um, so now we have two bucks and a dough in our house. And, uh, so, um, well, today is a big day. Uh, today is a huge day. Today is a historic day here at this church. And, and uh, today is going to be the passing of the baton, so to speak, and as the pastoral leadership of the church. And, and uh, it's, it is a very significant day. And this is a day that the Lord has known was coming. And um, I have too. And uh, this is something that we shared a few months back. And I'd like to just expound on the significance of this today. And, you know, there's a transfer of leadership. We see this several places throughout the scriptures, but one of the most predominant is the, the passing of the baton, the passing of the torch, the passing of the leadership roles and responsibility between Moses and Joshua. And when we look into the Old Testament, the fourth book of the Bible is called Numbers and then is followed by Deuteronomy. And, and it's in these books of the Bible that we see this transfer of leadership of, of these people that God had tapped and said, I want you to lead my people. Now, for the most part, Moses was the only spiritual leader that many of these people had ever known. Uh, and maybe some of you can relate to that. Maybe you're thinking, well, Pastor Bob, you're the only pastor I've ever known, or maybe you're the, you're the one who, has, who has, was instrumental in seeing me come out of darkness. You see, Moses was the guy that God tapped on his shoulder and said, I want, to part, I want you to partner with me because I want to deliver the people out of bondage of, of slavery. They were in Egypt, and he was talking about the Israelites, the Jews. And it was quite a journey that they went on then because Moses is like, well, who, who am I? And, and you can read the accounts in the book of Exodus. And, and um, to say that it was a learning experience would be an understatement. A learning experience not only for Moses and the leadership, but also for the people. Everything was changing, and it was, it was truly a field trip with the Spirit of God to watch what God was going to do in their midst. And one of the greatest challenges facing the people was to adapt to change. Uh, all these people of Israel, all they had ever known was, was slavery and bondage and and so they had to come out of this, and they had to get a shift in their mindset, and this is what... What God said, I'm going to use you, Moses, to, to draw them out. And, and up until this point, the, the people of Israel relayed, relied, I should say, on their slave masters, and they were their source of provision. And God said, no, I wanted to take them out of this dependence on a slave master, and I want to walk with them. I want a relationship with the people. And I want to take them to a place that's referred to as the promised land, but it's really the fullness of what God wanted for his people. And friends, that's still what God wants, amen? He wants to walk in relationship with his people. And so we see that um, there was a 40-year journey towards this fullness of what God had for his people. And it wasn't always an easy journey. Uh, It's a really interesting account, but I would encourage you to go back and read through the book of Exodus and and Leviticus, if you care to, or you can jump to the book of Numbers, and it's a lot of historical uh, interaction between God and, and Moses and God and the people of Israel, and, and it was a constant change. There was always these changes that were going on, but 
But God's undeniable goodness and his grace were clearly evident each step of the way. Each step of the way, God was there, and God was leading and directing. And, and towards the end of the book of Numbers and, Deuteron- and, and into the book of Deuteronomy, we read of a time when, when Moses was nearing the end of his role in leading the people of Israel, and, and he understood that his, his days were near completion. And it was at this time in Numbers chapter 27, we read that it says in verse 12, The Lord said to Moses, Go up into this Mount Abiram, in other words, this, this certain mountain range, and, and see the land which I have given to the children of Israel. So he's, he's basically saying, God is saying, I, I want you to know that I have more in store for these people than, than what you've been entrusted to, to lead so far. I, I want to take them further. I want to take them to, to a, a new place. And friends, this is huge for Moses to realize that, you know what, God, God got so much more in store for these folks. And it was very reassuring to him because Moses had already witnessed a lot of what God had done. I mean, God saw the, the, the plagues in Egypt. He saw the waters of the Red Sea open, and, and he saw the miraculous hand of God on these folks. He saw provision of food and water and, and direction and, and protection and and, and guidance, and, and he's, he had seen God's healing touch on many of the people, and, and he had already saw so much, and, and yet God said, I want, there's more. How many of y'all have witnessed the goodness of God over the years? Just a, a quick show of hands. You see, God is good. I shared that last week. Friends, God is good. That's a foundational truth that we have to have firmly embedded into our minds, and and, and we've seen this. I've seen this right here. Sins forgiven. Lives changed. Eternal destinies altered. And we've seen, we've seen, we've seen bondages broken. We've seen new birth just come to life in people and, and, and hope and a future. And yet God has more in store for us, just as he did in Moses' day. He's got so much more, and God was assuring Moses that his plan to bring the people of Israel into into this promised land was going to come to pass. He's like, Moses, I want to show you this. You see, all that God had revealed about himself up until this point was in preparation for more. What is more to come? And, And you see, Moses knew that his time of leading this people was winding down, but God's plans for the people were winding up. You see, the Lord said to him, he said, see what I have given them. He didn't say, see what might come to pass if if they play their cards right. He didn't say, this is a possibility. He said, no, I have given this to them. It's their inheritance that, 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 that God has for each one. He's wanting them to step into. He said, it's already theirs. I've personally realized this many times as I've read my, my Bible and I've seen, I've seen in the book of Acts and I've seen in the life of Christ and, and, and we read through the epistles of what the things that God was doing in his church. And there's always more. I rejoice in what God has done in this church, but I know there's more. I know that there's times that it seemed like we went so far and we stopped and it's like, oh, I know that God wanted to take us further that we're not walking in in the fullness of everything that God has for us. We have to come to that realization. 
I've never heard God speak to me and say, congratulations, the people of New Life have arrived. There's no more. They got everything I've desired. God's never said that to me. There's always, there's always more. Do you believe that there is more? That we serve a huge, good God, and he wants to take us further. Every single one of us, and, and I have no doubt the fullness of what Jesus paid for on the cross and, and the resurrection and the outpouring of the Spirit is, is still waiting for the church, not just our church, but the church in general to step into. Amen? We are not walking in the fullness. We're on the right track. But, but there's, there's so much more. And, and just like in Moses' day, God had plans for this people and Moses knew it. And so God gives him this vision. He says, this, there's the, the, their inheritance is theirs. It's waiting. And, and, and it says in verse 16, it records what Moses said back to God. This was a prayer of Moses. He said, let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and, and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be as sheep that have no shepherd. So certainly the well-being of the people that he was entrusted to was, was at the core of his heart. He's like, God, God there, there's got to be somebody that you, that you have to, to take over. Moses didn't see this and understand that God had more and then say, well, Lord, I hope they figure it out somehow. They're on their own. That's not what he said. He's like, God, my, my, you see, God had embedded into the soul of Moses a father's love for the people that he was entrusted with. It was deeply embedded. He wasn't okay with the thought of the people just floundering and, and, and just trying to figure out how you're going to get from point A to point B. And friends, this prayer of Moses has been my prayer as well. You see, there was, it was a few years ago that the Lord just started stirring our hearts, Trudy and I, and, and it, it, was, it was a stirring as though God was saying that our assignment of establishing this church was, was coming to a place of being fulfilled as far as our roles were concerned. And something that was so dear to the both of us is the well-being of the future of the church. I mean, that, that was so, that was, that was critical this question of, you see, the well-being of the church was something that God had woven into the fabric of our hearts. Our heart's cry was, Lord, who, who will lead? These are people we love. Our, our own children are, are attending this church and our grandkids. And, and Lord, this was, so, this was so dear to our heart. You see, friends, I'm not sure of your all, all background and, and how that's looked where you have come from, but within the denominational structure of churches, and most churches are affiliated with a denomination, whether it's Catholic or Lutheran or Methodist or Presbyterian or Assembly of God or Baptist, whatever it is, they have like a, a central office or regional offices and, or, or diocese or councils. And, and so sometimes they just shift a pastor or a priest or a clergy out and they bring another one in and the people are like oh okay and it's just kind of the format they do it and there's different ways of 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 connecting with this this pool of potential pastors and and who's ready and who's available and who can fill this and but we're we're a non-denominational church 
we, we wanted to go strictly word and we didn't want to go, we didn't want to have a, 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 an impression that we're underneath, um, we didn't want to have strings attached, I guess I could say, with the denominational and, and that could be a barrier to reaching our community for Christ and, and it's like we're just going to go straight Bible. And, and, but, but I guess the, the downside of that, so to speak, is you don't always have that network of, of ministers and, and, and put the pool of people who can fill up pulpit. And, and yet we, we, we still had this heart's cry of, Lord, who's going to lead your church? Who's going to lead the, the, the people that you've entrusted to us to? You see, friends, whether it's a church, whether it's your family or a community or a nation, that God cares for the well-being of those folks. You know that, right? God cares more. He always cares more. And so Moses wasn't speaking something to God that was out of character. This was a reflection of the heart of God within Moses. And, and, and this, was, this was Moses' concern. And so it says, that, uh, it, it says in the next verse, in verse 18 of, of Numbers 27, So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him, and make him stand before Eleazar the priest and all the congregation, and you shall commission him in their sight. So the Lord made it clear to Moses that this man named Joshua, and when I say the son of Nun, it's not like a, a, a pun. It's not a, it's not a joke. His, his dad's name was Nun. God's got a sense of humor, Right? He's the son of none. Anyway, um, Moses prayed that God would appoint a leader. So we're, we're following the story, right? We're, we're checking out. We're, we're following this, this timeline. Here's what I have. And he says, God, appoint a leader so they're not like sheep without a shepherd. And he says, well, take, take Joshua. And, and, and God, you see, God responded. He made it clear who the person would be. As I shared the last couple of years, the Lord has been stirring our hearts. In this last October, we had an overseers meeting at our church. These are, these are overseers of our, of our church who are men from other ministries, and, and I could speak very candidly with them about, about ministry and about my personal life and, and about what God is doing here. And, and these three men are just really godly men. They have over 100 years of pastoral experience combined, and and so we meet, and, and I just shared with these guys very openly. It's like, guys, I'm just really sensing that, that the Spirit of God is, is bringing us to, that, to the 11th hour. Like, we're, we're right there, and there's, that God wants to bring about change. And, and we really believe that we're getting close to stepping down. And, and at the same time as the Lord was putting that in our hearts, he was putting it in the hearts of Pastor Eric and Danielle, some 600 miles southwest of here, that it was their turn, it was their time to step down. It was their season, not knowing exactly what God had in store. And they were, they were open, and, and so we have this mutual friend, Pastor Dave Ogren. He's one of our overseers. He's been here many times, and, and, and he, he has known uh, the Jensen's for decades. And he said, you know, you need to connect with Pastor Bob up in Pulaski, Wisconsin. And so we, we connected we started talking over the phone, and as I'm talking, it's like there was something that was, that was really resonated with my spirit that, boy, I wonder if this is, this is the guy. And 
there was so much in, in the chemistry over the phone. I, I, I hung up and I told my wife, I said, I felt like I was talking to myself. <laughs> right? <laughs> I know none of you have ever done that, but it's like, I like this guy. <laughs> but we talked about ministry. We talked about theology. We talked about how to approach the, this, this mandate that's on our lives. And there was just something that really resonated, and I said, tell you what, we're at a point where we have to find out if God is in this or not. And so I said, why don't you come on out to Pulaski? I said, there's no strings attached. We're not going to try to impress you, and please don't try to impress us. You're not coming here to candidate. You're not coming here to interview. You're just coming as a friend. And I'm going to open the pulpit up to you, and I'm going to allow you to preach the word of God. And so many of you are here. That was March 10th. He came, and, and, and I introduced him as Pastor Eric, a friend of mine, and he shared the word of God. And, and, and some of you were sitting right on the edges of your seat. And you're saying, yes, I like this man. He's got an anointing on him. He's resonating. And there was an altar call, and people responded. And these were some indicators that, that the Lord was affirming. He came to Tuesday night prayer. You were here for three or four days. And the Lord just really quickened in their heart and in Trudy and I's heart that they are the people, that he, he is the one. He is the one. And so it was, it was at that time that we shared with our kids that God's got something different for us, guys. And then we shared with you. But this is how it all came about. You see, you see God's hand was in it. And we might say, well, who, who is the people of Israel? Might have said, well, who is this Joshua? What do we know about him? What do we know about this, this man, Pastor Eric? Well, the first trait that God mentioned regarding Joshua was he was a person who was filled with the Holy Spirit. He said he is the person in whom is the Spirit of God. Friends, this is critical. Amen? This is, this is so critical. A pastor is always in the crosshairs of the enemy. Always. And Pastor Eric is a man who is heavily dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit to, to work through him and, and in him. You see, friends, a leader that is filled with the Holy Spirit will inspire you. He will take you to places that a man not filled with the Holy Spirit will not be able to take you. He will only take you as far as his skills or his talents will take him. But a man who is filled with the Holy Spirit and dependent on the Holy Spirit, he's going to take you where God wants you to go. He's going to lead you in such a powerful way. And this was so critical. This was something dear to Trudy and I's heart. That we don't get a, a person who is, who's got a lot of charm and charisma but not an anointing. There's a huge, huge difference. And this was, this was starting to come to fruition. And, and this is what Joshua had a track record of, of modeling. And great leaders lead by example. Amen? So when, when the Lord spoke to Moses, he said, take Joshua in whom is the spirit is residing in him. Now this Joshua, he was mentioned some 40 years prior. This is the first mention of this man named Joshua. In Exodus chapter 17, the Amalekites, these, these, these people came up against Israel. Israel went out of Egypt and they came up to Mount Sinai and God says, I want you to move forward. And this man named Amalek came and he, stood, he withstood them. 
And he, and, he, and he wanted to fight with these people of Israel. And so the scripture says in Exodus 17, it says that Amalek came and he fought against Israel. And Moses said to Joshua, this is the first time his name is mentioned, he said, choose us some men and go fight. Go fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the, with the rod of God in my hand. And Joshua didn't say, well, I don't think I'm ready for this. He was faithful to Moses and he was faithful to God and he went out and he led this, this battle and this was the account where Moses held his, his staff up. He was interceding and remember his arm got sore and so Aaron and her, they held his arms up. Remember this account? And they were victorious and, and, and Joshua led them into victory. And it says in verse 13 of Exodus 17 that Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And then the Lord said to Moses, write this, write this down for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called its name, the Lord is my banner, Jehovah Nisi. You see, friends, Pastor Eric has fought some battles and he's got more battles to fight. But the Lord said to, to Moses, he said, write this down. Write down what God has done, that I am victorious. This is the, the banner, the, the flag. I serve a victorious God. Remind Joshua of the victory that he's going to have in me. And that's something our pastor has to know, that God has been faithful he has. He's moved mountains, and he will do it again. In this account, we read of, of Joshua witnessing the power of prayer, the power of intercession. And, he, and this was instilled into young Joshua. Friends, we have a man of prayer sitting in our midst. He knows the power of prayer. He knows that it wins battles. He knows what happens in the spirit realm when he prays. Eric, Pastor Eric, is a man of prayer. Another mention of, of Joshua is in Exodus chapter 33. In Exodus 33, the nation of Israel, they were, they were in a little bit of chaos. They had their challenges. They had their ups and they had their downs. But there was this time when, when Moses set up his tent on the outskirts of town. And it said that when Moses would go out there to meet with God, and when he would go there to meet with God, the pillar of, of cloud, this, this, it looked like a tornado is what I'm envisioning. It, was the, it represented the presence of God. It would come down upon this tent. In other words, the, the presence of God was, was right there, and it says in verse 11 of Exodus 33, So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend, and he would return to the camp, but... His servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. You see, friends, Joshua had a God-given desire to stay in the presence of God. Right? The presence of God was in this tent. And Moses is like, I got to go back to camp. And Joshua's like, can I stay in the presence of the Lord? He understood the, the anointing and he valued the presence of God. Pastor Eric values the presence of God. He knows what can be accomplished in the presence of God so much more than anything we can come up with as far as strategies, the presence of God. Joshua understood the value of the presence of God. Pastor Eric understands the presence of God. Nothing on this earth can replace it. Amen? 
It's, it's powerful. So Eric has this desire for the presence of God. We read of, of Joshua as one of the 12 spies who went out into the promised land in Numbers chapter 13. A leader from each of the 12 tribes of Israel went out to check out the promised land and it, made, it was filled with, with rivers of, of uh, milk and honey, Mountain Dew and chocolate, whatever you want to call it, right? It was rich. And it was, it was fortified. And they came back, though, and 10 of the 12 said, we can't do it. We can't go in there. There's giants in the land, and, and there's walls around our city. There's no way we can go. And the people were really discouraged. And it's like, ah, oh, God brought us this far, but now we can't go in. And fear came into the camp. And 10 of the 12 said, there's no way, but not Joshua. Not Joshua and Caleb. It says in verse 6 of Numbers 14, Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh said, uh, were among those who had spied out the land. They tore their clothes. In other words, they were in such anguish at this report that these ten said, there's no way. And it says, they spoke to the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, the Lord, we, the land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. So Joshua, he didn't let the pressures of this negativism change what he knew God could do. He had a faith in God that was bigger than circumstances. Instead, he became a voice of encouragement. You see, what others saw as a problem, Joshua saw as an opportunity for God to be glorified. He's like, man, we gotta, we got to eat this stuff up and God's going to be glorified. This is going to feed us. And friends, this is the type of leader that Pastor Eric is. He's been under pressure. He's been, he's been pressured to compromise. I've heard some of his stories. I've heard Pastor uh, Ogren share of some of the challenges that he's been through. He's been through many situations where people said, why don't you just conform? And he said, I cannot conform. I, I will conform to the image of Christ. And he said, I will preach the whole counsel of God's word. He stuck to his convictions. He wasn't, he wasn't threatened. You see, we don't, you don't want a leader that lets obstacles set the agenda. We want one that is courageous and filled with faith, one that will stand with you and foster an atmosphere of expectancy, not gloom and doom. You want somebody who says, you know what, this is an opportunity to see what God can do. Somebody who will inspire. And this, this is what we're going to have. He's got a solid track record. You see, when Joshua pleaded with the people of Israel to take God at his word and move forward, it says in verse 10 that all the congregation said to stone him. Just kill him. You know, it's not easy standing up for the truth. Our, our world is becoming increasingly hostile to the pulpit and to the message of Jesus Christ. It's becoming more hostile. You want a leader who won't back down and coward of threats. That's the type of leader Pastor Eric is. He will stand strong. Threats, opposition, and pressure is what builds godly character. 
and strengthens our faith in God. Amen? In Joshua chapter 10, later on, we realize or we read of Joshua commanding the sun to stand still in front of the congregation. How's that for bold? How's that for confidence? Bold, courageous, filled with faith, filled with the Holy Spirit. Going back to the opening passage when Moses prayed for a leader to pass the baton to, in Numbers 27, it said that the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, the son of Nun. In other words, there was no confusion as to who the leader was going to be. There was no confusion. And friends, there's, there's also no confusion as to who God has chose to lead here at New Life. When Pastor Eric and Danielle were here in March, God made it very clear to Trudy and I that we were hearing from God. So undeniably we're hearing from God. He's the one. He's the one. He came back, him and his wife and Anna, I believe, they came back and they met with their leadership team, the elders and the board members of the church and and the leadership team unanimously affirmed Pastor Eric was God's choice. Unanimously. Amazing peace that God's hand is in this. God's hand is in this. He's got something more. It's a special moment. God has so much more for each and every one of us. He has undeniably been faithful to us as a church throughout the years. It's not about to end. We know he is orchestrating this season of our lives and and we are certain, friends, that God will give us the grace to adjust to God's leader, this man of God. So, friends, God is inviting each and every one of us to a place of commitment. I want to charge Pastor Eric, but I want to charge you as a congregation. I want to charge you, and I just ask if you receive this charge, if you just say, I will. So I want to ask you as a congregation, will you commit to pray for and honor your pastor as one who is dedicated to edifying and equipping you for the work of ministry? Will you recognize and respond to the words the Holy Spirit speaks to you through him? Will you set aside personal preferences for the sake of unity and advancing the kingdom of God? And will you allow pastor to challenge you to walk in Christ-likeness and in the fullness of the Holy Spirit? Okay, so pastor, I want to just ask you to stand if you would. And I'm going to ask you a couple questions. Will you commit to faithfully preach the whole counsel of God's word without apology and without compromise. To the best of your ability, will you do everything in your power to shepherd this flock by protecting them from false teaching and false teachers? Will you commit to loving this congregation by praying for them? Will you commit to allowing the life of Christ to live through you as an example to the church body as well as to the community around us? And will you humbly serve the people of this church as an entrusted servant of God? 
And will you do your best to instruct the people as to their purpose found in Christ and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit? Okay, so I want to challenge you to lead by faith, lead by love, lead by example, lead by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Lord, or Moses said something to Joshua, and the words are fitting here regarding yourself. And that is, be strong and courageous. For you shall go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them. And you shall put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, who was a pastor, pastor of a church in Ephesus. And this is what he said. He said, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke. Exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So I'm going to invite you and Danielle to come forward. I'm actually going to anoint your forehead with oil. Anointing of oil is symbolic of the anointing of the Holy Spirit, that we're stepping into a divine appointment, and this has to be a supernatural work. This isn't just about skills and talents and abilities and charisma. This We're saying we are relying on a supernatural work of God, a supernatural work. And so, Eric, before God and the people here this morning, I commission you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I pass the baton to you as the new spiritual father, the spiritual under-shepherd of this flock here in Pulaski. I challenge you to be strong and to be courageous, that you will be reliant on the power of the Holy Spirit to direct your steps to take these folks where they've never been before, to be obedient to the work of God. This is a high calling that you will fulfill. You will fulfill. Father, I thank you for this couple, this, this couple that you have been preparing. I pray that you would just open their eyes to see as you see, Lord, that this is a powerful moment in the, in the history, in our generation, Lord, in this region. I ask for your anointing to rest powerfully on Pastor Eric and Danielle and their family. Lord, we trust you. We know what you're doing. We thank you for your amazing supernatural peace that you have embedded into our hearts and our minds through this transition. And we trust you wholeheartedly, Father, in Jesus' name.
Amen. 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 I love you both. Thank you. <clears throat> so now I'll only preach about an hour. Okay. No, I won't. It's humbling. It's an honor. I'm standing before God, standing before you, and I know what's been poured into you. I know the love and faithfulness of a pastor. I know even though God is calling you to something different, I know it's not easy. I've been in that place. And it's never easy to come and it's never easy to go. And I just really want to honor you and Trudy and knowing that what we're coming and we're standing on a foundation. We're standing on what you have done. And I just want you to know that I honor that and I recognize that, that this is another person's work. But more than just what you've done is the work of the Holy Spirit through you. Thank you for being faithful and for passing the baton as you have. And I really honor that. And I honor you too for that. And your heart, it's amazing. And church, I just want to share just a couple um, thoughts with you as your new pastor. Um, and it's in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 2. And I'm going to be sharing more in the weeks to come about this. But right on the hills, this comes right on the hills of, of Moses his death has happened and this transition's taken place. And right on the hills, there's, there's hardly a break here. There's been 30 days of mourning, which was the cultural norm, which is really nothing compared when you think of the years and years and years that Moses has led these people. Right on the hills, is this commandment comes from the Lord. And it goes out to Joshua, but it goes out to the people. Get ready. Get ready. And it's in Joshua chapter 1, verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give you, about to give to them, to the Israelites. And just right now, would you just touch the person next to you and just tell them, get ready. Get ready. That's the word of the Lord. Get ready. Get ready. 
And I want to confirm that as, as, as Pastor shared, get ready. God is doing something. God isn't finished. It's, we're, we're, at the, we're at the starting gate. E- each stage of life is really, really important. Every leg of a relay race is critical. But one of the most critical parts of a relay race is when you're ready to pass that baton. And it's like the person that you're passing it to is just standing there. They're already moving. When you come with that baton, they're already, you know, they're up ahead. They're going already. And you, you pass that baton to them. And it's so critical because <clears throat> while the whole race is so important, often a race is won or lost on just those few, I don't know, meters in that baton pass. If you dro- a drop baton is like detrimental, like you're going to, you're done. You could totally lose if you drop it or, or fudge it in any way. And so <clears throat> it's time now for Joshua to lead this people forward. But I want you to see this morning, and it's something very, very crucial. Because I know we've been talking about Pastor Bob and, and me, and that's been the focus. But I just need to shift it a little bit onto you this morning. Because if you notice with me, this is really crucial that you see this. Look with me, please, at this verse up there and notice that the commandment was not just to Joshua to get ready. It wasn't just Moses had to be ready. It wasn't just Joshua and Moses involved in this. But look at those words, you and all these people get ready. That's you. You get ready. We're all involved in this transition and this passing and this next phase. When I was a kid, um, we were about to run a foot race. Someone would say the words, ready, set, go, right? And those words alerted us that something was about to happen. It alerted us to the importance. It alerted us that, that we had to be in we had to be in position for what was about to happen. And God's been speaking to Pastor Bob and been speaking to Trudy for, for months, for years. And Pastor Bob has been speaking to the church and to the leadership here for, for many months now. He's been saying the words, ready, set. And I just want you to know this morning, as your new pastor, I'm bringing the next word to you, and it's go. It's time for you to hear the word now, go. You've been ready. You've been set. Today's the day that I say, go. Run. Go for it. And would you just, again, touch the person next to you and say, we're good for go. Go ahead. We're good for go. Because I just want to confirm to this something too. And I need you to understand that this is, this is, today is a culmination. This is going to sound dramatic maybe. And I'm, I, can be, I can be known to be a little dramatic and expressive, you know. That's true. But listen, I don't know how to say this more seriously because I'm not being dramatic. With all my heart, I can tell you this is so true. That I'm actually convinced that all of the years, all of the years of my 23 plus years of ministry, the successes, the, the failures, 
the tears, the good, the bad, even the ugly, everything has been my ready set. I really believe that. I really believe with all my heart that God has been preparing me for years and preparing Danielle for years for, for this place. And that was my ready set. It was to train us and to prepare us to, uh, to, to get us ready for today, for this season. And I really want you to know how significant this moment is to us. This is a big deal to us. But equally important is the fact that God's been preparing you as a congregation for us and for what God, not just for us, but for the next season, for the next, uh, the next season of this church. You've been prepared and God's been working. Your ready set have been all the years that Bob and Trudy have been preparing you and been faithfully sowing into this congregation their years of faithful labor, their years of giving, their years of sacrificing, your giving, your sacrificing, your labors over the years. That's been your ready set. Each season prepares us for the next season. Each leg of the race prepares you for the next passing of that baton. There was the ready set go when Pastor Bob heard to plant this church and start the church. He had already set, and the goal was the day, and many of you were here. Who was here for that first, when you first started this church? Raise your hand. Okay. That was your goal. You remember that? The goal. Then there was another ready set when they said, it's time to build a building. Time to build a new building. We got this property out there. We're going to build this building. That was the ready set. And the first day the doors opened of this building. You guys, who remembers that? Who was here for that? That was your go, right? <laughs> that was your go. And today is the day of our ready set go. This is another day. It's another time. It's another season. And it's time to cross over into the next level. And it's time to cross over into what God has for this church and what God has for this community. And just quickly, just a brief thing of what does God have prepared? And we get a glimpse of it in Joshua chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. He says, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. God is about to bring the Israelites into a very large and expansive land. It's not limited. It's limitless. Their, their potential, their possibility. He's expanding their territories. Two words that I love to hear from the Lord. I will. That's a good word. I will do this for you. And it's good that God's going to do it because I can't do it. And you can't do it. There's no way. <laughs> There's no way these Israelites could have done it. And Moses knew that. Remember way back when Moses said, if you're not going to go before us, don't bother sending us. It's not going to be possible. Forget it. And God has assured us he's with us. God has assured all of us, you, me, Pastor Bob, we know God is going to go with us. And, and, there's a human side of this because without faith, it's impossible to please God. 
There's always the human side. God gives it, but we have to believe him enough to set foot toward it, right? Amen? You have to claim it. We have to do the footwork. And not just, we don't just sit back and say, okay, God, do it. But we have to say, Lord, here we go. And I'm going to step, step out and I'm going to do it. So New Life Church, if God is about to give you new territory, are you really willing to step out in faith and enter into all that God has? Because that's what he's doing. That's what he's going to, he's taking us somewhere. That, that's the way it happened. God does it, but he, and he does what only he can do, but we have to do what he tells us to do, <laughs> right? Faith is always required for moving forward. Can you think of one time, those of you who are here day one, can you think of one time that you were asked to do something as a church and it didn't require you to have faith? Probably the money was not always there, right? Come on. I mean, you did things when there was no building. There was probably no budget. There wasn't much of anything, but you did it, and you did it by faith. And God is probably not going to change that mandate where you're not going to require to have faith. We're going to need great faith, and we're going to need faith together to do it. And we got to focus on Jesus. we got to keep our eyes on the Lord. The moment your eyes get off of Jesus and get onto me, you're, you're doomed. Because I certainly can't do it. But God can. God can, right? So we can keep our eye on him, keep our faith high, and trust that he is going to do it. He says, I will give you every place that you set your foot. I like that word. Every place, Lord. Every one of them. I want it all. And be, let's be greedy <laughs> with Jesus and his promises. It's okay. Let's just be greedy with him. I want more and more and more. I want all that you have for me, Lord. I don't want to settle for less. But let's go all the way forward. And I'm like you. I really have no idea what that's going to look like. Uh, but I can tell you, according to the word Lord, it's going to be a land of expansion. It's going to be a land of his promises and uh, his faithfulness. Because even though pastor has changed today, God hasn't. Is this still the church of Jesus? Is he still the foundation? Is he still? Amen. So that doesn't change. We have the same Lord, the same Savior, the same Master. We're following the same shepherd. And so that doesn't change today. So today is a day to hear, ready, set, go. And I want you to stand this morning. And here's what I want us to do. And you can come on up. And um, <clears throat> I don't know what to do. Let me just say <laughs> ask Jesus what he wants to do. Um, let, let's all, if you're comfortable with this, I want you to just flood up here and just press into the altar area together. Because, you know, we're, we're in this together. We're in this together. Maybe take hands next to you. Take the person's hand next to you. Lord, and if you're visiting today, bless you. I don't know that you're visiting because I don't know everyone yet. So you can come up to me and act like you're the elder here. I'll figure that out because I know who the elders are, so you won't get me there. But you might say, I've been in this church for 100 years. I won't know the difference. Jesus. Jesus. God, we need you today, Father, so much. We need you. Jesus.
church, we're family now. And I'm your shepherd. And we're going to go through this together. Arm in arm, hand in hand, is the army of God. Hearing his word together. God speaks to me, but listen, God speaks to you too. God's moving in your life and moving in your heart. You might be here today and you don't even know the Lord. He's not your Savior. This is a perfect day. Because I want to tell you right now that when, when we're speaking this morning, we're saying God has great plans for this church. He does. God has a great future for this church. He does. But listen, the church is you. That means God has some promises for you. God has some territory, new territory in this next season that you are personally going to take in your life. It's not just about this building. It's not just about this congregation. But you as an individual, there are some new territories for you. Spoke to someone this morning about the, your, your sons, your children. New territory. I'm declaring it over you this morning. New territory in this next season. New victory, new levels of healing, new levels of anointing, new levels of breakthrough, new levels of faith, <clears throat> new levels of calling. And it's going to require new levels of faith. And let me just tell you right now that if God is calling you to do something and you could do it on your own, it's probably not God. But if you're called to do something and you feel like there's no way I can do this, there's no way I can handle this. That's God. Grab hold right now and say, Lord, in your name, with your power and in your strength, I'm going. I'm going to my next level. I'm going to my next place. <clears throat> so get ready. Get set and go. Father, this morning in the name of Jesus, as we stand before you as your people, God, we hear the clear call of the Lord. We hear the clear call of the Holy Spirit to go, to go to our next level, to our next place of victory. God, you want to take us from glory to glory. That is always your plan for us. And this morning, God, we say yes to you. We say yes, we're going to go all the way with you, Jesus. We're all in. There is no plan B. There's no plan C. There's just plan Jesus. And if you don't do it, Lord, we have nothing else to look to, but we know you will because you are faithful. You are faithful. You are faithful. So, Father, I bless this church. I bless these people in the name of Jesus. God, I declare my obedience. I am committed to them. I'm committed to be their shepherd. I'm committed to shepherding this flock well, to love them, to be gentle to give them kindness, but always, Lord, to speak the truth, even when it hurts to hear it, Lord, because, Lord, I would not be loving and I would not be a good shepherd if I was going to let them believe a lie or let them be <coughs> persuaded <coughs> by the enemy. So, Lord, I am committed with all of my heart to love these people and to be their shepherd before you, Lord always in love. So now, Lord, we ask you to send us forth. We are saying yes right now, right here in this place. So, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I command the devil to remove every barrier and every obstacle that he has set up in the name of Jesus. 
and flee right now in Jesus' name. I command the lie of the devil to come off of every person here that is believing even one little lie. One little lie is too much. And we will not put up with it or tolerate it in our lives in Jesus' name. Fear is going to go right now out that door and you will not come back in the name of Jesus. Sickness leave, oppression go now in Jesus' name. We are not controlled by you. We are controlled by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the anointing of his son, Jesus Christ. We declare Jesus is the Lord of this house. Jesus is the master. Jesus is the truth, the way. There is no other. So every other thing must flee right now in Jesus' name. We receive right now by faith your strength. We receive your power. We receive your majesty in Jesus' name. And your ability to do mighty things. To do mighty things. And we declare the walls are going to fall now in the name of Jesus. That every place we put our feet according to the word of the Lord, we are declaring it to be ours in Jesus' name. We declare this territory of this whole area, not just in Pulaski, but Green Bay and the whole surrounding communities is our territory in the name of Jesus. And the souls, God, we claim them for Jesus. That lost will be saved in Jesus' name. And we thank you, God, that we are going to be bold enough to believe you and bold enough to stand and walk out in faith and victory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you guys. <clears throat> Praise the Lord.